0: a minute so thanks for watching everybody really appreciate this um looking forward to having more of these industry of um type shows in the future with some other friends uh i mentioned jim Cavallano next week but i've I've got some other folks in mind that'll be joining me in the future so hope you'll tune in for those as well but today this is going to be very special because these two guys are uh besides being you know fabulous fabulous drummers musicians um they're great old friends and they're hilarious together especially when i just texted greg and myron to say you guys ready greg said who is this so he's obviously already deleted my phone number and uh, that didn't take long all right i'm gonna bring the boys in so here we go without further ado please welcome myron grombacher and Greg Bissonet.
1: And there they are. Johnny D. Greg Bissonet. How the heck are you, man?
0: Myron making the grand entrance. I'm uh, awesome. I'm back.
2: Greg.
1: <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> Any mail while I was out. <laughs> Myron oh, Greg Bissonet!
0: Oh man, it's good to see you guys. I'm I'm to so see you, happy. John. Byron, I haven't seen you in person in a couple of years now.
2: It has been. I think a NAM show or something three years ago, maybe. Yeah. I think
0: you're right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I,
2: I, I didn't get head any head better looking, but you know. <laughs> I you, think weren't, you weren't expecting that, right? <laughs> well, I don't want to disappoint anybody. Right.
0: You're you're you've always been a good looking man and you're still a good looking man. <laughs> yeah. That's what, right, Greg, am I right?
1: You're still a good looking man. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, no the great David Garibaldi, Tower of Power, yes, great looking man.
0: Yeah, so I got and a to, funky I,
1: dude.
0: And, a, and a pretty funky guy. I get Myron. I got to tell a funny story. I told this when Greg and I were did our first. I think it was when we did our first show together, couple of last month. But and I I, I give you a heads up that I was going to tell a funny story. Okay, the first time that I remember actually having a conversation with you, meeting you, you came into Simmons. I was so excited because it was the summer of 1985. I had just moved to LA. I was a huge fan of yours. I was just, a, my, the band that I had, had just been in, we played a bunch of Pat Benatar songs. I loved you then, I love you now as, a, as the great drummer that you are. And so you came in to Simmons and you were so nice and we were having this conversation. And I said to you, hey Myron, you know, I sort of worked up the, the, the courage to ask you, hey, Myron, because um, Invincible was on the radio at the time. That summer is a big hit.
1: What a great and
0: song. I, what a great, great song. Drum I, great drum track, man. You can, and I said, Myron, what, what was the snare drum you used on Invincible? And you did the classic, Myron, you went, uh, that would be the Invincible snare. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's funny. John Aldridge actually took that drum and engraved it for me. And he did a beautiful job, you know, amazing oh, cool. job. He put my Sacred Heart tattoo on it and it says Invincible on it. And it's.
0: All right.
2: Yeah. And he with my yeah. legend. It's yeah. Greg's friend is fond of saying.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's an awesome. I didn't realize that. And it was, yeah. a it was a black beauty. Was that what it was? Or it was No, a... it's actually no.
2: a bronze snare that they made for me, which was kind of like a prototype when they, they made me a couple black beauties and they made me, a pounded bronze and a, and a solid bronze and it's a solid bronze i see okay yeah. and yeah. it's got the heavy duty ludwig
1: hoops on it
0: like the, the, die, the ludwig diecast hoops. Yeah, yeah can i
1: tell my invincible drum story yeah 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 myron loaned me that drum to play eat em and smile
0: <laughs> that's
1: right oh right yeah. right right he loaned me the whole he loaned me the whole uh Japanese kit to play that album and then the camo kit on skyscraper, two David Lee Roth albums. Thank you, Myron. Anytime, Greg. <laughs> I still got the Japanese kit, but I can't remember what
2: happened to the camo kit. Hmm. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I did some more records. So I yeah. can't
1: find it. You can't seem to find it. I <laughs> can't. Okay. You can't. Uh, exactly.
0: Well. Those are some great-sounding drums, man. Those were just yeah, they
1: were some... great jokes. They they can still sound. Yeah. Can I tell the story about how I met Myron? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, come on. I'm well, then, I'm handing Myron, it over to you, Greg. Well, no, Myron took me to meet you, Johnny, at Simmons in Calabasas. That's when I met you in '85. But right. I I moved out to L.A. Um, drove out. I'm from Detroit. Myron's from Youngstown, Ohio. I go to North Texas State to music school. I'm driving from North Texas State Denton to uh, L.A., and I have two cassettes in my car. One was Rick Springfield, Working Class Dog, and the other was Live From Earth, Pat Benatar, Live From Earth, great live album with Myron just killing it. And I'm listening to him, him going, man, I, I'd love to meet that guy someday. Maybe maybe he lives in L.A., probably probably does, New York, L.A. I'm driving over to uh, this area called Reseda and Sherman Way, Johnny, I know you know where that is. Yeah. But yeah. Myron's looking for a, a used guitar, maybe a telly or something. And I see him on the next block. I'm hitting pawn shops,
2: basically. Pawn yeah. shops, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> right. It's all pawn shops on that corner. Yeah. Right. And so he's in the pawn shops going from pawn shop to pawn. And I'm just, I was looking for a music store that I was looking, that I'd heard about where I could maybe teach drum lessons to try to pay the rent. And I see Myron walking across the street. And I just completely stalk him, man. I I run up and he's like, I go, you're Myra Grombacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And luckily I had played with Maynard Ferguson at that time. And I mentioned that name and he goes, oh, so you're cool. Like you're a professional. So you're okay. Okay, Maynard. We became best pals right then, man. I got to finish the story. Okay. Okay. so (laughs) We had
2: at that time, you know. know a lot of people because of mtv you couldn't go anywhere so i picked greg up and and he's what we would call a tail gunner because he would shadow me you know i was aware of him and when i switched (laughs) stores and i went into the other pawn shop and he followed me in i knew eventually uh, you know uh, we're gonna have this moment so (laughs) the nicest guy on earth and he goes to me hey uh, do you give drum lessons and i go no, you know, I'm not, I can't read music. I I don't really do that. He goes, well, could we maybe just get together? I said, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, you tell me where you live. <laughs> <laughs> he was living with Bob Birch at this time. Right, <laughs> I said, and I'll come by, you know, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk. Okay. So I get there and he's got a set of Yamahas, right? So I've never heard him play. And I go to him Okay, um he was asking me about some rock stuff and I said, Well, sit down and, and play for me for a minute. And it was like, Oh my god. <laughs> it's oh. like like yeah. 30 seconds yeah. into it, I went, Oh my god, okay, this guy's for real, you know. And then it it was and it goes to me, he's done, you know. You know, Greg is, he's so sincere and enthusiastic. And he goes, Well, what do you think? And I go. <laughs> Could have opened your hi-hats a little more, you know.
1: That's right. That's about it. <laughs> you, could, you could get some maple drums, those Yamaha birch drums, those are not rock drums. Yeah, and then you load me you later your maple Ludwigs. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's that's where we were hooked up for the first time. Yeah. And we played Love is a battlefield, man. You go, you're doing a top 40 gig and you're playing that song. There's a lot of stuff in that song. I go, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to go. Yeah. <laughs> And we jammed on love is a battlefield. I was in heaven. And Greg wrote it down.
0: Of course. I wish i could have read it. it.
2: I mean, he just right away he's going, is this right? I go, I'm sure that's right, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) Looks right to me. You know.
1: (laughs) And then I hate to monopolize the conversation. Then then, uh, I guess Myron figured out I wasn't like this crazy stalker. So he invites me over to his home in Woodland Hills, and I meet the great. Monica Grombacher, who not only makes me a meal that night, but probably is thinking, oh, here's this nice Midwest guy. She's from, you know, Pennsylvania and mine's from Ohio. I'm from Michigan. So they have me over like over 20 times for dinner and meet the family. I was there when they were starting their family with. Kylie and Dylan and Gigi and we spent like you know Christmas Eve's together they took me in as the guy that didn't know anybody in LA and I felt like I was back home in the Midwest because what an amazing wife you've got Myron Monica the greatest
2: yeah the I'm great. sure I
1: wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for my wife so <laughs> you know
2: shout out to her
1: yeah Monica 24th yeah. up yeah she's yeah. wonderful and exactly. she's the same
2: amazing person that she's always been you know
1: yeah. So yeah yeah, I was, I was blessed about to this. have that,
2: you know. I've been lucky in life, you know. A lot of the things that I wanted to have happen in my career, happened, you know. And the things that I wanted to happen in my family life happened. And and my wife was the facilitator for all of that, really, because I had the time to to explore my art because she was so adept at taking care of the children. She was a, a very strong woman, you know. I could go yes. on the road. And, you know, she could not only hold the fort down, you know, she could, you know, take care of business on every level. So she's uh, I've been blessed with her.
1: Were you, you know, married, married 40, you?
2: 43 years?
0: Wow. I was going to say 40, but 43. Wow.
2: 43. Uh, were you married
1: by the, the time the, you got with... like 43 minutes? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> but you guys were together before you uh were with yeah. Matt Benatar, too, right?
2: Right. Yeah. Around the I was dairy dairy
1: dairy.
2: yeah. 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 So, I mean, basically we would go on the road together. We were, you know, we were Johnny Yoko. We, were, we went everywhere together, man, you know, man. and then we, uh, you know, when we had Kylie, um, things changed a little bit, but Kylie was born at the right time because we were, you know, we had a private plane and everything then. So she would come on the road, you know, and it was, you know, the whole thing was just set up really well. And then later on, when they go to school, as Greg, I'm sure you found out, they do not want to go on the road. (laughs) Right. It's like, I'm not going, you know. They dig in. They want to see their friends and, you know, have a real life. And
1: uh, we are able
2: to balance that. Where did you and Money meet? I was in Youngstown, Ohio, and she was from Newcastle, Pennsylvania. So that's like 10 miles apart, you know.
1: She
2: came and, to a gig uh, or something. A gig, and and gig, She came to one. Uh, yeah, the first band that I was in it was a band called. Well, not the first band, but the first band that did, did, you know, a lot of gigging. It was a band called Freeport from Cleveland. That's the band I quit high school and joined. And to my parents, you know, yeah am not ready for that moment. You know, <laughs> 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 I tell you, that was, uh, you know, uh, that was. What I was, was, was going to be a senior in high school, and I just, I just took off. What, what kind, kind of band was that? that? It was a rock band, you know, they were kind of, um, you know, we did mostly cover songs. There were three bands that did well, uh, Raspberries, uh, the James gang and this band Freeport, you know, and those were that we would play like JB's, you know, the Raspberries were on Friday night and we were on Wednesday and the James gang was every Thursday. It was one of those hip gigs. So we had those kind of gigs. So we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of, uh, you know, we we got to you know we got to tour a lot. You know, we opened yeah, up for everybody, yep. so it was good. But you we never a, really had any deep success as a recording band, but uh, did yeah. well.
0: Is that when you were playing a Rogers kit, Myron, a, like a white Rogers no?
2: That, kit? That, that was my first drum set. Yeah, the first drum set I got. I uh, we had five kids and so we didn't have a lot of money, so I I just my cousin Jimmy had a drum set and I sat down at it and I thought, well, this is really cool because. um but then I didn't think much of it, and and I was a singer, you know, trying to be a singer in in bands. And the drummer didn't show up, and I sat and played drums. I was better than the drummer, so they go, you know, let's let's kick him out and make five bucks a night more, you know. So I had to get a drum set. So I drove a popsicle truck, uh, truck which was a bicycle with the refrigerator on the front of it, up and down all these hills. And at the end of the summer, I had like. 250 bucks and my mother took half of it and and so i had you know 150 bucks and i found a set of rogers two wings and a biscuit two twelves and a 16 champagne pink sparkle and i put them in this little unfinished room which was going to be a bathroom you know so i couldn't get in the door once i put the drums in there so i would go in and out of the window so i oh pretty much uh, had three records that i kind of memorized i re- i memorized the uh, the first Jimi Hendrix record, uh, the first Led Zeppelin record, and Desiree Lagueras by Cream. And I didn't know Ginger Baker had two bass drums, which actually helped me out later on in life. Because, you know, uh, I I just assumed that you could just do that with one foot or one foot yeah. in a fourth palm, which, you know, served me well for a lot.
1: A so lot what we do, when we do your next instructional
2: DVD, it's going to be called, <laughs> I came
1: in through the bathroom window. I did.
2: Right. Surrounded by a champagne... <laughs> roger yeah
0: well you know myron there's a picture of you playing that kit on facebook in the rogers um owners group or there's like a rogers oh wow you know, i didn't know that. appreciation and there's a, yeah and 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 all these people were going oh myron gronbacher i love him and and i he, i it made sense to me because of the the ohio connection that you'd be playing Rogers, right. but i but i i never really thought to ask you about that but
2: that was it and they were pretty they were really plentiful i mean you didn't see a lot of ludwig kits because they were expensive you know and and um you could get a great secondhand kit of rogers you know and the swivel that that foot pedal yeah. uh, i love that thing and i played it for years and years i guess they're making it again
1: yeah, dale yeah. Flanagan.
2: you guys know dale flanagan right fortune drums from cleveland yeah, sure. yeah. yeah yeah i love him uh he he was my roommate at one time when i lived in cleveland and i was playing uh playing in Freeport, but, uh, he used to rebuild those for me because I would break them immediately. You know, it was a leather strap, and and he was yeah. you know half. He would always be able to hook me up and take care of it. You know, but he told me they reintroduced the uh, the foot pedal. So, no, it,
1: Reliance, right, Johnny? If we could talk yeah. a little bit about that. Re- Re- i was just going to say, rog-
0: yeah, Rogers is back under Reliance, which is also the parent company to Dixon. So, it's kind of like both of those companies are are Rogers. have the benefit of this. Big company that's and the new Rogers drums look amazing. They look yeah. fantastic. oh fantastic.
2: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they, they really always had great. a certain sound. I mean, they were really great for r&b more than for rock, I have to say. I mean, they had a certain thing, like you could pad that thing up and it had a certain sound to it, yeah. you know. But you know, half the bands that I played in played funk music when they first started playing anyway. You know, so did you play with they the great Mick
1: Mahan back there?
2: I never did, man. Mick was always in like the funk horn bands. Yeah. You know, I was always in the rock bands. You yeah. Know, so we would pass. You know, we play the same watering holes. But, you know, we didn't we didn't play together.
1: Well, the, Until James, the band. but you played on the same bill a lot with the James Gang with Joe Walsh. We didn't play on the
2: same bill as, as, as the James Gang. James Gang were um, what I used to go to a place uh, called the Gazebo Room. In Youngstown, Ohio, when I was about 15 years old, and I would sneak in. It was a bowling alley with, uh, you know, like a, a music room in the bottom of it. And I found out that if I went behind the bowling alley pins, after we went under the pins, there was a set of stairs that led down. And I would sneak in. And I weighed about 70 pounds, and I was about four feet tall. So you had to be 18. So I would hi- try to hide behind big people. You know, until they found me, then the bouncer would toss me out. But I would do it constantly. You know, I would get in every single time. they'd throw me out. I'd come back again. And they couldn't figure out how I was getting in. But I was crawling underneath the actual bowling alley pins through this little narrow passageway and down these circular wrought iron steps. And that put me into the gazebo room. Wow. I I I have to hear
1: the chance gang. I just got
0: to tell you really quickly. Fuck
1: Fuck 49.
0: Yeah. There's so many great friends of ours and drummers watching right now. This is amazing.
1: Give us a few, um, Johnny. Give us a few. Okay.
0: <laughs> Jeremy Stacy. Hey,
1: Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy.
0: Joe Franco, who has a Joe question. Franco,
1: Joe Franco. Double bass.
0: I'm going to ask that question in a minute. Um, I just saw Suzanne Morissette is watching. Hey.
1: Hello, Suzanne.
0: And I I also, Dave Aberziz, Pearl Jam drummer. Oh, my God, hey, Dave. Watching.
1: Wow. From Dallas. That's right. Yeah, um, big, big, you know, big man.
0: fan, man. Steve Barney, Ashley Sone, all these great drummers are watching. Steve. So Steve Gorman said, I, "I hate that I can't stay." We'll check it out later. But Steve Gorman says, "Yeah, he's oh, I love Gorman. that guy. Yeah, love what a great drummer!" There. And, oh, and all Les Butts. Yeah, and you guys all know Les Butts. Les Butts, man. Hey, absolutely, Les.
2: man.
0: That the new Rogers drums are being assembled by our friend Bill Deddemore who Bill Deddemore
1: Woodland Hills, Governor Hill uh, <laughs> Mayor of Woodland Hills. Yeah, he is. So I still see go. him. I he gotta tell you a quick Bill Denimore story. So I go, Myron, Bill Denimore wants to go on a bike ride. And Myron goes, All right, where are we gonna go? I go, I don't know, but I think I think he's a pretty serious bike rider, and we all live within a square mile of each other. So Bill comes to my house. Myron and I gotta get on these bikes, and we're cruising through woodland hills. And, and we Ryan, bought, dude, like the day what's that? Oh,
2: remember, before- we did not. I bought a bike to go on that ride. I think I did. Really? I, I never
1: rode a bike. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. you did really well. You had us fooled. So, my Bill's in the front. Myron's behind him, and I'm holding up the rear. And Myron gives me this look, like this guy is serious, because Bill had a banana and his water bottle on the bike. He picks up the banana while we're riding towards Topanga Canyon. He unravels the banana, unpeels the banana, peels the banana. Sticks half of it in his mouth, flips open a trash can. It's, it was trash day. Somebody's trash can was up. While well, the trash can lid goes shake he throws the peel in. He goes, "Come!" and he gets back on the bike. And Myron goes, "This guy's serious." <laughs> <laughs> he rode. We must have rode a hundred miles.
2: And then remember, we wound up like at that stone restaurant or something in, right. in the middle of nowhere. Right. I didn't even know that existed. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Hey, <laughs> Bill, we love you, Bill. Yeah. bill did all the all all of the the edges on my drums mine you know, too years, yeah. Years. yeah i would, take them over to him and boom you know he'd make them sound better so I have, a picture.
1: I have a picture in the next room that i think bill's grandfather took or his father took from a helicopter in 1946 of our neighborhood in woodland hills right where we were where we are and and bill i don't know if that was your grandpa or your dad but maybe you can chime in good to, good to have you on bill Absolutely.
0: Uh, good man. And Michael White says hello to you guys.
1: Hey, hey Michael. Michael, Michael yeah. White.
0: Long time. Got a lot Answer of good guys watching. So here's Joe Franco's question to you, Myron. So mm-hmm. he said, first time I saw Myron with Rick Derringer, he was amazing. Had this killer hardware like nothing I'd ever seen. Who made that rack?
2: Yeah. So, there's, you know? there's a guy, David Lang, who uh, uh, Morris Arnie Lang, who was the drummer at oh, the yeah. Philharmonic forever. And he's got oh, an yeah. instructional video on Hudson. And who actually uh, now has the patent for Gladstone, because he was a good friend of Billy's, and somehow they worked that up. But his son, David, who tech for Buddy Rich, became my drum tech in Derringer. And so there was this, uh, and I'm trying to to remember the name of the metal sculptor that we got, because I kept breaking everything. So I had the idea to make a cage, you know, where I could just mount everything to the ground. You know, and then it would always be in the same position and difficult to knock over. So we got together and it was actually made out of cold rolled steel. So it was you could not break. I mean, I couldn't break it. Nobody could break it. But uh, yeah. and, and I used it for years. Us, uh Jeff Shonas, you know, I'm sure everybody's yeah. aware of him. He was my tech after David Lang for years and years. And he actually adapted it to uh, whatever hardware I was playing. Well, for Ludwig, we, we you know, we we redid some of the. Fixtures as Ludwig, you know, when we you did it You invented that. the
1: cage, Myron. Yeah, I, I don't say. think I invented it, but I
2: I came up with a pretty interesting concept with David Lang and with this other guy. I mean, it really was like the three of us brainstorming on it, you know. And uh, and David's
1: very uh, creative, Cap too, you know. Well, on MTV, of- you popularized it. On MTV, you popularized it. Yeah, sure. I was
0: going to say, and it was there. before a lot of guys were using racks too. I mean, that had to be.
1: Yeah,
2: I think In- I had the first one. Yeah. <laughs> But mine was like, and it, it cost an ungodly amount of money. When I was in Derringer, it was a ridiculous amount of money because this guy was an artist. Yeah. And I had to bring welders in. And, you know, it was like, and there was like trial and error. So by this time, at the end of the day, you know, it was like probably seven
1: grand back then. Back
2: then. Oh, was, you know, like yeah, like 1976 or 75, you know. Yeah. Hey, Johnny, wow.
1: talking about that period of Myron with Derringer, I don't want to run over you here. You, this is your no, show. No. Can I ask a quick question of Myron, please? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Myron, would you please tell the world the story? And I've heard this from you a bunch of times. We've been best pals for you. I may not want to tell
2: all my stories right now.
1: (laughs) Well, how about just this one?
2: (laughs) Uh, Maybe, maybe, and maybe not. (laughs) All right. Forget it. I may have a reason why I don't. All right.
0: Is okay. Rick Derringer watching this right now? Is that why you got to be, I don't, gotta
2: be I, I, I don't want to go there. It has to do with... Why with Rick Derringer, I got to tell you, you know, it was like... Um, and how I wound up in the band is, is freaky, too, because Stim Baders, who was, was the lead singer of Dead Boys, him and I were really close friends, you know, in Youngstown, Ohio. We're both from Youngstown. So then we both moved to Cleveland. Then he moves to New York City. And lives, Hilly from CBGB's is his manager. So they're living above CBGB's. My brother, who was my sound man, I didn't have a gig at that time, went to work with Dead Boys. He became their their road manager. So Stim calls me on my parents' phone, which is a landline, (laughs) and says, have Myron call me. So I call him. And he said, hey, they're going to call you. Rick Derringer's people are going to call you. I I said, why? He said, well, because he's looking for a drummer. I said, I, I don't think I want to play with Rick Derringer because we were into punk at that point in time. My hair was red and spiky and flat in the air, you know, that kind of yeah. moment. That's so what was going down, babe. And uh, <laughs> so, anyway, they call me, you know. So they, my brother David, comes back because I don't have a driver's license. Comes back and, and drives me to New York City to uh, to SIR on Fifty Fourth Street. We get there about eight o'clock in the morning. I'm beating on the door, nothing no one comes so we go hang out in Times square now in the 70s in Times square unbelievable okay yeah yeah. so you know i'm a hasty in a hurricane i'm looking around going like wow we go back around noon bang on the door a guy comes out and he goes i said i'm here for the derringer audition he goes they're not even going to get here until nine o'clock i go huh (laughs) so i you know we're hanging out then i come back in i don't know any of the songs so there's five guys in the room, you know, and and I'm the last guy. So I learned the songs while they were in there. So I come in and I start playing. And I thought I sounded pretty good. And then they cut me off. They leave. They, you know, they and then they come back and say, well, you sounded okay, but we're tired. So we're going to put you up for the night. They put me up in Hojo's in Times Square. It's, clear, like, yeah. see, it's all junkies and hookers and like. You know, real, real extra flavor uh, section in New York. I come back the next day and and I do the audition and I I do wind up getting the gig. and But they asked me, do you sing? I said, yeah. You know, and they said, do you write songs? I'd never written a song. I said, yeah, I write songs. So when I come back. They go, well, play me your songs. And I actually had written two songs in the Hojos the night before, which were like. So I go to Rick. Uh, Can I play your guitar? He goes, I don't know. Can you play my guitar? I go, probably not. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so he goes, get him a guitar. So I just drum the E string, and I start singing these two songs that wind up on the record, "Attitude" and "Monomania." You know, and, and then they oh just start God. jumping in and playing with me, and then I was in the band. You know, so it was it was pretty cool. How have and, I never
0: heard that story before? That's unbelievable. I don't know.
2: Yeah, a lot of people don't realize it. I wouldn't have, even have a career if Steve Baders hadn't told rick derringer that i was the greatest drummer in youngstown ohio and maybe the world
0: <laughs> <laughs> well there are many here that would agree with that myron
2: uh, oh, well i, I had I my moments
0: when, when rick derringer was on the ringo tour greg if you don't, i don't know what year that or years that was but you introduced me to him at one of the shows in boston and you said this, you know, I and I knew your history with Rick and you you made sure that I got to meet Rick and we we were telling Myron stories. We were just you you bet know, we were smile in his face. Yeah. yeah. And Greg, yeah. Greg
2: actually hooked me back up with Rick. I hadn't spoken to Rick and he hadn't spoken to me since I left the band to join the Benatar band. And it wasn't a, a happy moment, you know. It was you know, it's never good when you know you 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 leave one gig and go to another gig. Yeah. So uh, you,
1: probably, and, you probably don't want to talk about when you guys played on the same bill with another band that we love, right? Not right now. Okay, at another
0: time. Myron. That'll another be two. Myron Part Two.
2: That'll be yeah. Myron Part yeah. Two. Yeah, yeah. Enough about me. Let's talk about Greg for a little bit <laughs> and let me off the seat. <laughs> let me stand up here.
1: We're I've just, already done just, a just, couple just, of these with Johnny. We want to no, talk yeah. about you. All right, let's yeah, talk gonna... about Mark Cranny. Okay, yes. here we go. Yeah, Mark Cranny. Mark Cranny, our dear pal from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Jeff Feynman. Look at that, man. Yeah. That was a benefit that Myron and I and the Woodland Hills Drum Club threw for Mark to get a new kidney because Mark needed a new kidney. And who was on that? Myron, Steve Smith, Vinnie Caliuda, Bozio, Ricky Uh, Long, Rudy
0: Rudy, uh, Richmond,
1: Carmine and Vinnie.
0: Rudy Richmond, remember Rudy?
2: Rudy Richmond? Who said? Uh, by the way, who shouted out to me to tell you guys, "Hey!" Oh, cool. I keep yeah. He's up in Canada, too. freezing his butt off. But uh yeah, poor guy. He had enough yeah. energy to raise a hand away. You
0: know. So. <laughs> long I was, justice. I, I was at that. I was at that benefit that day. It was July of eighty-seven. Right. Guitar Center, Hollywood parking lot. It was about hundred and eighty-seven degrees. If you guys remember.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: Sun. Really, really hot. Yeah, and it was like the who's who of drummers, yourselves included, of, of L.A. playing. And it was amazing. It was... How about all when we cut
1: best, Terry Bozio I mean, off? What's that? Tyra, Myron, how about when we cut Terry Bozio <laughs> off? We didn't know he was
2: done. But Terry's never done. You know, that's the beauty <laughs> of Terry. I mean, he could just, you know...
1: Well, I remember
0: know. he went on just before Vinny. And I remember him saying, okay, I got to go. Vinny's, Vinny's
1: coming on now or something. Is that what you mean? Like, did you... No, well, basically... We were kind of in the show, and Myron was on if the mic. If you want to call it that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> musically coordinating it. So Myron's on the mic, and he's, he's about to talk, and we're just, Terry had those Remo spokes, and nobody hey. had seen those. And he's doing this thing, and he comes down, and he fades, and he stops. We didn't know that there was going to be a big big ending, right? So so I walked behind him. Myron's on the mic. We're thinking, but Myron and I are going, yeah, he's done. So I go, so Terry, man, could you say a few words? And he goes, I'm not done yet. (laughs) (laughs) That was a few words. That's okay. And he got up and he was done. Oh, man. I felt like such an idiot.
0: Oh, no, Uh, no, no.
1: That was a hell of a day. You know,
0: Dave
2: Weiderman, God bless him, you know. Jeff Jonas, our stage manager. Jeff Jonas. yeah. Yeah. I mean, and every <laughs> single one of those guys, I mean, you know, and, and there were more, everybody that was there would have gladly played. I mean, the show of support from the drumming community was enormous.
1: Yeah. Jeff Procaro came, yeah. came out with his son. I said, you yeah. should play. He goes, I'm just here to listen. <clears throat> Steve Smith got us the Journey stage. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Don't carry. I mean,
2: everybody Don't pitched in TV. and it was an amazing, amazing result. Yeah,
1: carmine sure. and his brother vinnie played and carmine said when vinnie and i play together we're the world's greatest drummer <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> I, And I correct me if i'm
0: wrong vinnie played this really cool lick or something and carmine stops and goes i showed him that
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> that's correct yeah, <laughs>
0: like, yeah he's just <laughs> having <clears throat> a little you know taking the piss out of himself like yeah i, I taught him that you know
2: yeah yeah i, I forgot yeah.
0: about the the apiece apathy brothers yeah
2: Yeah, they were. They're still (laughs) slugging it out somewhere.
1: Yeah.
0: I know. I know.
2: For sure.
1: Jonathan Moffitt, too, right? Or Ricky Lawson. Jonathan Jonathan Moffitt.
2: Yeah. Ricky.
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah, Yeah, Ricky
2: Lawson, man.
1: Yeah. man, It was was an amazing. Incredible
0: day. Incredible day.
2: Yeah, it was an incredible day.
1: Back to Mark Cranny. That was because Myron and I and Mark and Don Perry started the Woodland Hills Drum Club in Mark's garage because he always had several sets in there to teach and yeah. uh we would go and jam in his garage and he was kind of the grand poobar of the woodland hills drum club mark the great mark cranny man oh
2: man he's incredible yeah, yeah. Incredible. yeah. amazing i mean he he's really uh, you know in terms of of people that had a profound effect on me not only musically but uh really emotionally you know the quality of his he was the, one of the bravest people i ever knew you know and He was so unselfish and, and he wasn't afraid to live his life. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of people, he had a lot of health issues. He had no issues. I mean, he, on his drum set, he'd sit down, no excuses. He would play his ass off. Yeah. Every time, you know, you could wake him out of a sound sleep. He'd stumble over to the drums and and blow your mind.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and he introduced us to the great Dean Zimmer. Can we talk about Dean dead. Zimmer? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Talk about Dean. Yeah. He's our life coach, Dean. Yeah. We, we, we do this thing over here called Dino's Jukebox. And we bring Dean. And he's such an inspiration. If any of you watching want to get inspired by an amazing drummer, an amazing man, watch Drummer Wanted dean zimmer z-i-m-m-e-r on youtube just youtube dean zimmer drummer wanted and you will be so inspired dean was born with arthrogryposis and he ties strings around his sticks so he can put his hands in and when he gets out of his wheelchair and gets on the drum kit which is an amazing feat in itself it's like he was never in a wheelchair and he's just playing and tiring us out right that's right and he knows every song he knows <laughs> every skill, <laughs> yeah.
2: especially brother yeah. to brother. Mark's the... brother to brother, he kills. Yeah. And, and, oh, and cool. uh, the Deep Purple song with Ian pays the drum solo on it. And he knows the drum solo, oh, no for no. The mule. For... Yeah. Yeah. The mule. He, yeah. Yeah.
1: God bless him.
0: Is Man, he, he, he left handed too? Is he, a, is he a lefty like Mark? Or
1: No, he's a righty. He's, he's a righty. righty. Yeah. yeah. There's some great stuff with Myron and Dean. And Terry Bozio and I, from Drum Channel, Don Lombardi has such a great archive of stuff. But uh, there's a great video on Drum Channel with Myron and Dean and Terry Bozio. It's so great. Because oh, yeah, Don, well Don gave him a brand new kit. Yeah. That's the heart of Don Lombardi right there.
0: I know, man. Don. Yeah. Yeah. Don, Don,
1: and, John. Don and John. Don and John. Don and John. Both did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And Chris.
0: I think questions i can throw at you guys but in the meantime oh i want to mention uh, myron I, I sent you that that picture that my friend carmina the tattoo that she has right yeah Yep. and she's she's watching right now so <laughs> i'm gonna see if i can do a little magic here and share that photo with everybody i hope she won't mind it's too late carmina if you do mind hey, i carmina. apologize <laughs> yeah um so Carmina sent me this picture. This is a tattoo that she has of her hero Myron Grombacher, which I think Pretty is flattering. so cool. Yeah, wow. When I, Carmina, just so you know, when I texted this to Myron, he said, "Awesome ink."
2: So, and I feel anyway. that way. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great. All right, cool. I was just showing
2: off that I, you know,
0: proving that I could.
2: Your technical, technical prowess is, is beyond belief. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there we go. So
0: who, knew? My, you, you, who, knew, who knew all those years ago that I'd yeah. turn into this technical whiz? Wizard.
2: Wizard. A true
1: star. Uh, Where have we heard that before?
0: A, just a, a, a dumb kid that used to follow you guys around the valley going...
1: Johnny, if it wasn't for you, Myron and I would have never come up with our drum duet to play right. to play in Boston and you put all that together, man. Wow, that
0: was that was amazing. Man, I so wish thank you for saying that, Greg. And you guys were, I just wish there was video, you know, somewhere. And maybe someday it'll show up. It'll magically I know somewhere. They were, yeah,
2: they, they were videotaping, but I don't know. I don't know if it was just the house doing it or what it was, yeah. you know.
1: But the and, panel
0: channel yeah
1: yeah well you know we 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 actually sat down for several days and we just came up with ideas the first one we wanted to do a powerful kind of double you know lick together Uh, and then we left some space and everyone in in boston went all right all right and then we do it again and then we leave a little more space like a fermata like all right, okay. And then we go into the thing. And, and Myron's leaning back like he does. Yeah. People are just like, wow. It, it was
2: kind of It was, yeah. was a great <laughs> One of the funny points of that is when we did the, rehe- the sound check and then we left. Peter Erskine, Greg, who writes everything down on his poor Tom Tom, right? He gets, yeah. He's got all of his little cues written. Peter comes over and starts to elaborate on. it. So he <laughs> looks down and it's not what we he had written. It's like an you know uh, he got
1: Erskanized right before we came out. To <laughs> got Erskanized, baby. That's right.
0: <laughs> who else was when, on that, it, was,
1: baby? Who else was on that? It was you and I and Peter.
0: Adam Nistrom,
1: Anton Fig,
0: Anton Fig, Adam Nistrom um jack gavin who was playing with charlie daniels at that yeah, time.
2: yeah right. really great great drummer great drummer great guy um, too
0: i'm trying to think too there might have been there's a picture of it i'll send you guys there's a picture somewhere but definitely anton you guys peter adam jack maybe casey sherell casey sherell
1: yes casey yeah. oh, right Casey, yeah. what a monster awesome drummer guy. he and he mark cranny awesome. have a lot of history together and man does he have uh a great book out he he wrote the berkeley school of music drum set jazz book right. casey is an amazing friend an amazing drummer is, is the channel still there
0: no it's it's been gone for a while now sadly yeah that was yeah that was a you know uh
1: a, that
2: was a great venue. institution
0: yeah great venue i mean everybody played there and it was a you know it's like a lot of places these places aren't there anymore but um but I'm glad I'm glad you guys were there because that was it was the perfect venue to have this,
2: too.
1: Yeah, it was. T- yeah great. Tying that into Mark Cranny, we we used to do these jam nights at Mancini's. And one night, Tony Williams and Colleen Williams, his, his wife, are in the front row. And you talk oh, about God. being intimidated. Well, you are playing. You're like, Tony Williams is in the front row. He didn't want to play. He just wanted to hang out because Colleen and Mark were friends from Sioux Falls. So we did our our Johnny D drum duet myron and i and we brought it mark in and we did it as a trio oh, and there is man. a video of that if anybody youtubes mark cranny then you'll see a whole thing of him playing with jethro tall and then it cuts to mancini's and the three of us are playing it's not the exact form but it's pretty close to that form and mark just tore it out didn't he myron
2: that was amazing yeah
1: yeah he never played it for, i mean we didn't rehearse it. We just played it so I yeah yeah
0: i'm gonna That's find crazy. that yeah
1: I have a great memory, but it's short. Mike, Mark, Mike, Mark had a great memory. He can remember all <laughs> Yeah.
0: Uh, hey, uh, an old friend of mine, Derek Blevins, great drummer from here in Boston, played there a million times at the channel. He's just, he's, he played with John Butcher Axis. And I think you guys oh, might remember oh, wow. John Butcher. Yeah,
2: yeah. I played with John Butcher.
0: You did? Okay, yeah. yeah. Derek's a fabulous, fabulous drummer. Lives out on the West Coast now, but... Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of folks commenting about the channel. Um, but Myra, I want to go back just a second when, when Greg mentioned, or maybe you, sorry, you mentioned MTV and I'm glad you said that because I, I wanted to talk about that. I, I think of you, Pat Benatar and you being one of the first bands really like in the MTV age, like what that and what that must have been like that, that you guys, I mean, exploded on the scene at the same time this new medium started, you know, music television what that must have been like
2: it it was it was um something none of us really saw come uh we had we finished crimes of passion and we had a little bit of time you know a couple uh a couple weeks or so where we could just do whatever we wanted we decided to make a bunch of videos because we didn't want to go to europe initially you know so we made the videos really to send to europe you know, and and to space them out. So we heard about MTV, and then I remember that uh, Rick Newman, who was Patty's manager, brought a little black and white TV in because they told us they were going to play our video on it uh, when they launched the channel. And then they played um, "Video Killed the Radio Star" first, and then yeah. "You Better Run" was the second video that they ever played.
1: Really, yeah. Yeah. the
2: second video. And then, yeah, and then because we had all these videos. What would happen is they would play, you know, three or four videos and they play another one of our videos because we had eight or ten of them to give them, you know. So it just worked out that, you know, the album took off. You know, we sold like seven million copies like immediately due to MTV, really more than anything else.
1: What was the second video You Better Run was your first one they played? What was the second video you
2: played? I'm trying to think of which song it was. I think it was probably um, I'd have to think back to it. But we gave up a. bunch you know I- including some like live stuff you know what i mean yeah. that, that was really some of it was live and some of it was lip sync promises you know, the, in the
0: dark maybe was that yeah
2: promises in the dark uh, but that was later because crimes of passion is really when that thing came up but um a bu- we just a bunch of stuff from the first album to the second album that we did um and they just played it you know yeah. and And they didn't pay any royalties.
1: That's what I love about MTV. Guys, we're going to take these videos. Don't worry. You know, there's no royalties or anything, but we're not going to have any commercials. And that lasts about a year.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah, yeah. How do they play music on MTV and don't pay any royalties? What a scam that is. Yeah,
2: but I'll tell you, though, it, it, it played to our benefit. It was Absolutely. like, keep the royalties because this amount of exposure that we were getting, you know, it was such a new thing. And the Internet was not, you know, yeah. the place to go at that point in time. And now with YouTube, you know, there or oh, and TikTok, and there's a million different ways <sighs> of going on that. But there's a lot of viable, viable outlets. Back then, MTV was it was like radio and MTV, you know, yeah. and it was yeah. revolutionary at that time as as Um, primitive as it seems now when you look back on it it really was kind of an innovative idea you know
0: yeah
2: and sure thank you and the
0: the way you guys (laughs) yeah i was going to say the way you guys um, i mean the way you seem to embrace it too the way like you would you would produce a video that was in sync with what what the theme of the song was about it sometimes sometimes not yeah like,
2: um, I mean, later on, you know, you, you get personal issues because uh, with their program, you know, because I thought that there was a lot of music that wasn't being represented. You know what I mean? And yeah. it took years to break that down, you know, till Yo MTV raps and stuff. You know, uh, eventually they found a way to make it, you know, the what it should have been a multicultural experience the entire time. But, you know, we just happened to fit their 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 template at the at the original point of launching that that
1: uh that you know service
0: so yeah yeah
1: yeah how about the bands though how about the young bands that if you don't do it on a video on mtv and spend a half a million quarter of a million dollars your record's not going to do anything and then the label and the band spends a quarter of a million dollars and it gets played once and never gets played again it's like (laughs) wow Well, it's just I like know. any
2: other, anytime you have a, a a restricted playlist, you know, like look at iHeartRadio, look at all those things. If you're on it, you are all over it. But if you're not, good luck getting there. You yeah. know what yes. I mean? And yep. it's the same as it ever was. You, you know? got to have the
1: look of the Irish. <laughs> 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 Happy, <laughs> safe, daddy's day, almost. Almost. Yes. Hey,
0: and by the way, guys, I'm wearing this shirt, not only for our friend Stan at Pro Drum Shop, but to represent my L.A. buddy. So um, this is this shirt's for you guys.
2: Thank you, Johnny. And Shout out to Stan, too. What a
1: great guy that guy is,
0: huh? Oh, Stan's Yeah. And sometimes yeah, he tunes guy. in. Maybe, hopefully, hope he's watching. You can see him. I'm representing. I'll send him the YouTube link. So he there you go. It.
1: Never forget the Elvin Jones Clinic they did. Now, Myron, I want to check with you. Am I allowed to tell the Myron Elvin Catalina story? Go ahead. Okay. Tell so so my, Myron and I go down to see Elvin Jones at Catalina. He had just done a clinic. For Pro Drum at the musicians union. It was great. Yeah. Oh man. But, but no air conditioning. You know, again in the summer, you know, 187 degrees, as Johnny said. <laughs> and it was amazing. But the next night he played at Catalina's. And my uh we didn't know this, but Elvin had a cold. And so I had met him once before, and uh I had said I was from Detroit. And I remember, you know, Myron's Midwest, he's Youngstown, Ohio, Elvin, Detroit. And I, and I don't think Elvin knew who David Lee Roth was. I don't think Elvin knew who Pat Benatar was or any of our, uh, you know, the stuff we were doing. But I just said, Elvin, this is my great friend from Youngstown, Ohio, from Pat Benatar, man, Myron Gronbacher. And Elvin takes his head and goes, wow, man. Yeah, beautiful. Ah, beautiful. <laughs> kisses him on he the kisses list.
2: Me, right? <laughs> and what happened the next day, Myron? The worst cold I ever Friggin' had in my life oh. i'm usually pretty healthy it was like uh <laughs> it was like the big one my head felt like it was going to explode it was great oh. remember, <laughs> remember pico coming out and setting up elvin's uh, drums Absolutely. which i'd never seen before she's out there tuning the drums and she's tuning the bass drum and and the register that she's tuning the bass drum to sounds like my 12-inch rack talk. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, tuned
0: up high yeah
2: this cannot be right <laughs> You know, there's got to be yeah. something wrong here. You know, <laughs> Elvin comes out, sits down, hits the the bass, the bass drum, and it goes boom. <laughs> wow. I go, how did that happen? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It drops three octaves just by the man's, <laughs> the way he approaches his instrument. You go,
0: yeah, by his so mojo. Your yeah. sound
2: is in your hands and in your feet. And that's, that's the way right. it is. That's right. You know? yeah. And in your heart. Oh,
0: that's And, and Les Butts just reminded me, I got to give it up to. To Stan and Jerry at Pro Drum, not stand Jerry. And Dan, Jerry. But yeah, Jerry and... So Jerry, if you're watching, my humble apologies, but not ben and say, Jerry. Quick, quick funny and Jerry. Elvin st- Yeah, uh, quick, funny Elvin story. The first time I met Keiko, in the early '90s, they were Elvin was playing at the Regatta Bar uh, here in Boston, and and, sure. uh, and he was playing Istanbul cymbals at the time. He left yeah. Zildjian to play, you know, the real Turkish handmade Istanbul cymbals. And so Colin Schofield and I went to the, went to the gig and we got there early and Keiko was setting up his drums. <clears throat> so we being the gentleman that we are, we, we asked if we could help her. We like, you know, I mean, I mean, I sort of knew about Keiko and I knew that she took care of Elvin, but she was so funny. She's like, God bless her too. I, I I think she's still with us too. She's, you know, maybe all of five feet, 60 pounds, you know, soaky wet, but she's, you know, lifting up the, the cases and the. Hardware and setting the drums up, but she, she, she it, the the end of the story is she she warmed up to us. At first, she kind of was like saying, "I don't know if Elvin's going to want to see you." He's resting, and then she must have told him that we were there because about a half an hour later, Elvin comes down and comes over, and we meet him. We I'd never met him before, and and uh, and he was so nice and so kind. And this would have been about 1993, maybe. Somewhere around that time, and I showed him pictures of my, my kids who were really little at the time. We were just having this really nice conversation. Fast forward, we we go to the show, we say goodbye. Go back a year later, I go back by myself. The first thing he says to me is, How are those babies? You know, like he he remembered, yeah. he said, I, I hadn't spoken to him. I just said, I'm just here to just I'm just, you know, I just wanted to say hello. And we, we had a nice conversation. It was another year after that, maybe two of just seeing him every year that he he called what keiko called me one day and said elvin's ready to come back to zildjian uh which is you know just it was a a real big moment for me because it was such an honor you know to
2: no he's he's a giant yeah i mean elvin to me was like one of the a a, a really strong influence on me because of the way his emotional attachment to his instrument you know what i mean i i felt that way about him you know, when you saw him play, I mean, he was like a force of nature, Yeah. you know, and, and, and he could, he could fill the room or he could just suck the air down and he played the notes between the notes, you know, it was like the way he played, he stretched the time. He had the ability to, he had this elastic quality to his playing, you know, that, that I haven't heard anyone since really be able to do that. I mean, you could, you can mimic him, you know what I mean? But to actually when you've seen him play and you see what he does with the time, the way he explores it, controls it, pulls it, you know, it's it's phenomenal, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he was a well, big hero.
0: and you know, it's it's funny, I and I never really we've never talked about Alvin, I never really put that together, but it makes sense because when I first started getting to, getting into your playing, it reminded me of Mitch Mitchell. And and
2: I Who I know, ripped off a lot. I mean, I, that's one of the no. first records.
0: <laughs> I, I, well, there, you can tell. We, we, I mean, we if you listen
2: to it. the early couple albums, you go, okay, well, he took that from Electric Lady Land. Yeah. Isn't that off this really Years? Oh, yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> no, you, but I mean, you know, you, you could see that there was, I mean, there was a connection there. And and, right. and you could say that, I mean, Mitch, rest his soul, would be the first to tell you that he got everything from Elvin. I mean, he, you know, yes. he was such a massive Elvin and Tony, but but massive Elvin fans. So you can see there's a connection between all you guys, you know?
1: And for kids out there that don't know a lot about Elvin, I mean, he was a personality too. He was a funny, oh, funny man. guy. And he Full would hum and talk like this. And, you know, he'd tell these jokes. But if you want to see the funny side of Elvin, there's a movie that was done in 1971. And again, because of YouTube, kids go on YouTube and type in Zachariah. Yeah. D-A-C-H-A-R-I-A-H. Elvin Jones. He was a cowboy that took over the bandstand, shot some outlaws and started playing Elvin Jones rock. Right. And I think it, it looked like some of the James gang guys might've been in the movie too. I'm not sure, but it was. that I think, kind so. of- I think Ginger was supposed to do
2: that and, and that wound right? up not doing it for some reason. You know, and, and, and Alvin
1: stepped in and did it. Am yeah. I allowed to wow. tell our ginger story? I got to Go clear tell all this story. with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, <laughs> so you're just, writing you, a book you, or something. I know you're holding out. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> Can I tell the ginger story? Can't drum even write story? my name. <laughs> you you got to okay. tell so, it. You, uh, so, so oh, I, 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 I. I I get to meet a uh, ginger, and uh, uh, we find out that he's going to do well. First of all, he comes to over to Sound City. And he's doing a, a track in the next room and I'm doing my solo album with my brother. And uh, we have this song and it's a double bass, Billy Cobham. We all rip all, everybody off. It's just kind of a, a Billy Cobham quadrant four that. Alex Van Halen will tell you yeah. borrowed for a Huffer teacher. So I'm doing this. I said, Ginger, come in the next room. And I want to show you this thing. And he listens for like 10 seconds. And he goes, I don't play or like metal. And I'm thinking, <laughs> this isn't metal. This is like Billy confusion. So anyway, the next week, there's a party in Redondo Beach for one of those drum off kind of things the Guitar Center was having. So Myron and Mark Cranny, Don, a few of us went. Am I getting this wrong? Wasn't it his birthday? And it's You his gave birthday. Him- a- a- Alan White from BS
2: called us. Remember? Thank he you. called hey. me on the phone and said, Myron it's ginger's birthday and we're gonna have a party can you round the lads up and then you and i <laughs> called everybody that's right we, we went it was in santa yes. monica at a disco remember the red onion his, his his drums were set up on a plexiglass riser that's right and at 12 o'clock he came out and did toad basically <laughs> remember and that what did you give him as a gift okay what well, uh, on the way out the door you know, I'm thinking, well, shit, Ginger Baker, we can't just, you know, show up at empty handed. So I I had redone this uh radio king, and it was tobacco sunburst with a May Mitten system inside it. Beautiful, amazing wow. drum, beautiful drum. Yeah. So I grab it and uh you know, I head for the for the door and I tell everybody, okay, we're gonna give this, you know, we're gonna give this to ginger. And I said, oh, Okay, great. So yeah, you know, uh, Alan brings me up, and you know, ginger is affable and friendly as he always is you know there's a bunch of us and he's just like looking us up and down just like looking at us right i got a pretty strong look anyway you know so uh, at that point oh, yeah. time, probably bright red long hair with leather jacket torn jeans you know the 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 ramones moment of my life probably but uh we i present him with the with the drum case and and he looks at it and he looks at me and then he sets it down then he opens it up. Then he look, pulls it out and looks at it. He looks at me again, sets it down. Then he hugs me.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> it's Like, boom, like, holy shit. <laughs> then he loved all of us. You know, he was like the friendliest guy in the world.
0: Oh, good. I'm but so Going glad.
2: into it, you know. Yeah. You don't put your, it's like you don't put your hand in the cage. You know, it's right. gonna, you're going to lose a finger, you know. so
0: I'm so glad my story ended that way and he didn't, like, throw it back at you, which I would have been shocked if he did that. Yeah. So,
2: no, no, no. No, he liked the fact that it was a radio king, and it was a beautiful drum.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And thing. I
2: think when he left town, I heard something about it hitting, hitting eBay. You know, I don't know. I, I, I didn't get a chance to bid on it, but I guess it was on and gone. You know, so yeah. Whoever's got that one, enjoy. <laughs> you know,
0: maybe it'll find its way back to you, Meyer. And I. Yeah, you I never know. Just, I want, Greg. I want to tell you that Paul Dinnage uh, sends his best to you.
1: Oh, Paul Dinnage. I have a nickname for Paul Dinnage. He's one of my dear, dear pals of a long time. And when the first time I met him, I heard him say his name, and he said, "I said, what's your name?" And instead of you know Yankee Doodle Paul, he said, Pooh, Pooh. And I said, "What's your last name?" And he, said, instead of Dinage, he said, "Dinage, Dinage, Pool Dinage." So I oh. call him Pool, Pool Drainage. <laughs> <laughs> pool How Drainage kind of- is that <laughs> Paul Dinage? Can't wait to see you at the Freddie G Academy, in the great uh, Winchester Cathedral campus down there uh, this August, man. Can't wait to see you and Steve White and everybody. That's going to be fun.
0: Uh Steve White was on last week. In fact,
1: I saw that. You,
0: you did okay. Yeah, we were we were talking about uh, some some funny Ginger Baker stories because he was he was there. We did this tribute for Ginger to Ginger in two thousand eight, and Steve was one of the guys that pay tribute and he was steve was you know god of love
1: steve so there's oh. one last ginger story that ties yeah, it i want to hear it yeah to boston and john de christopher so i'm going to try okay. to tie in myron john de christopher and ginger so All right. <coughs> before the birthday thing um and i was getting to know ginger from this gal that i knew who he was dating her name was karen and then i'm getting married so yep. she invites me up for uh i think it was a party for coffee I don't know how to pronounce Kalfi. My son Kalfi's having a party. Yeah, yeah. So I drive up to like Vasquez Rocks, you know, if anybody knows LA. And I'm, I'm going on the, you know, the Antelope Valley Freeway. And then in the middle of nowhere, there's a home and polo ponies. <laughs> and three drum sets set up under the stars. And you hear the polo ponies. I said, wow, ginger. He said, let's have a play with cow fay. And so <laughs> in the middle of our duet, Myron and I do this six-eight uh African groove where you take triplets and you do a round like row, row, row your boat. The first one is downbeats. the duck it dug it the dug it it the it That's the row of row your boat. Then the next guy starts and 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 starts with dug it while you move to the second triplet. And then you do the round again, and the, the next guy starts playing. The da, 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 da. So that all came from Ginger saying, All right, what we're going to do, and I learned this when I lived in Africa. Well, I'm going to start with, tri- with triplets with an F, with, with triplets. And then Kalfi's going to come in and play that, and I want to skip to the other. You're gonna come in with the downbeat, and then we're gonna go, you know, around robin. And it's Myron and I worked on that for days. Days, that's, yeah. That's what you heard in Boston, there, Johnny.
0: Oh man, that's Based so.
2: I wow cream pie that we
1: served up there.
0: Yeah, yeah. thanks to Ginger, <laughs> to Boston cream, to cream pie. But a boom, you got a million of them, Myron. But yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I want to. i got to tell you guys a quick funny. This was a couple of weeks ago. um I guess when I had Rob Wallace on her last week, I told a, a quick. Rob. Hi, Rob. <laughs> yeah, he's probably watching today. But I just want a quick funny Elvin story. Just talking about his his personality, as you said, Myron, is larger than life, and, and Greg too. You said that, but he was he was at, there was this thing called the Jazz Awards, and this was I want to say the summer of 1998 in New York City at like Lincoln Center went down there and it was a, it was, I think the first and maybe only year they did these things. And it was a pretty big deal. And they were, Roy Haynes got recognized and Max Roach and actually had dinner with Max Roach before. And Elvin was there either to present an award or receive an award, but he goes up and it's in this big venue and in the middle of him speaking, you know, and he, you know, he talks pretty quietly. He's talking like that. And he's, and this this alarm goes off, this this like fire alarm bell, like the ding ding, 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 ding. Like someone opened a door. So it's it's going off and everybody's kind of looking around the room thinking, somebody's shut that off. You know, we can't hear Elvin and it keeps going. So finally it, it doesn't stop. So Elvin kind of just gets up on the mic and he goes, uh, dinner is served. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, it brought the house down. I mean, it was like it was perfect, you know. It's like, oh man that's great. So, great yeah there was i mean that whole like your dad bud you know what i mean that whole generation not that we're not funny but those guys were like they were like a whole different breed of just
1: the greatest oh, yeah. generation
0: yeah they absolutely were man it was just so thankful to to have been around while they were with us you know and, and yeah. to know those guys
2: you betcha <laughs> Yeah, we were born at the right time i mean when you really absol- think about it the, yeah. the, degree of a musicianship and the way music evolved and changed through our lifetime, all the way up till now, we've gotten to see some pretty amazing stuff. I mean, up close and personal, you know, which is, yeah, Yeah. that's a blessing, you know, to be able to see Tony Williams sit down and play, you know, that's a life changing experience.
0: (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) I know. I know, especially where, I mean, you know, you know, God rest his soul. It was just, you know, his, it was he was here such a short amount of time that who knew when we got to see him all those years ago that it was going to be such precious time that we had, right. to, you know, it's it's uh yeah.
2: Greg actually wanted doing doing some
1: lessons with him, right, Greg? Yeah, I was up in San Francisco doing a Joe Satriani record and I read Bam magazine, Bay Area magazine, yeah. and on the last page in a little small rectangle and said, Tony Williams, now accepting private drum students. And I went, you're going to be kidding me. So I called and left a message on his voice machine. And uh, he called back and said, Hey, man, uh, I'm all filled up with students. But my wife, Colleen, knows you through her friend, Mark Craney. she said you're a nice guy so you know what i'm gonna make space for you come up and i ended up studying with them for two years going to their house and taking lessons and and the next time i went up there on the satriani thing jay rubin and bud my dad drove a u-haul truck with seven drum kits because joe wanted all these different stylistic kits he wanted like a uh, a little bebop 18 inch kit we took the camo kit myron's camo kit i took like a hal blaine kind of dead kit with like no bottom heads really duct taped up and we used all these kits and i went over to tony's on my rental car i said man i have a, a little 18 inch bebop kit out in the car could we play some double drums and he he had his new dw yellow with red hardware drums he said oh we could just play on this and i pushed it a little further you know thinking here we go <laughs> i'd love to go out to my car and get the kit. he goes all right go get it and i set it up and we played for about a half hour. I have a DAT. Uh, he let me record them on DAT or cassette. I can't remember. But anyway, afterwards, he he literally said, which killed me. He said, "That was fine, man. I haven't done that since 1963 with Max Roach." Wow. He just wow. didn't really do that, and it
0: wasn't.
1: Yeah. Tony was kind of a personal guy, but when you got uh. past that, you know that that little uh, curtain, he was an amazing, great guy.
0: I absolutely yeah he really was and and a really funny guy with a you know a really funny you know great sense of humor
1: and then Johnny um, you got me to do a clinic with him. was it was it up at was it in Northern California was that lemon it? Percussion. it was at a theater
2: Jose, and Max yeah.
1: Roach was I think I think Max was going to do it but then he couldn't and then you got Steve Smith but Steve had a vital information tour come up so he actually said to you I think well, there's a friend of mine, and he's a student, and I'd like to have him do it. And you said, he's one of our endorsees. Let's <laughs> do it. So I go up there, Bud, drives, Bud and Phyllis with the Thomas Brothers before there's an iPhone. They drive oh, up man. there in the Dodge van. They set everything up, and Scott Garrison was Tony's drum tech at the time. Yeah, that's right. And Scott, and Garrison Scott right. says to my dad, hey, Tony told me to sabotage the drums and cut a hole in your batter head of the bass drum. And we're all laughing. <laughs> Tony goes, hey, Greg, come here. I got to tell you something, man. He goes, don't be offended. I've heard you play before, but I'm going to go on first and you're going to go on. I said, I am not following Tony Williams. Louis Belson said, never follow a kid or a dog act. I say, never follow Tony Williams. Yeah. So he said, no, I'm playing. I'm getting the money. I'm getting in my limo and I'm getting back to my house in Pacifica. So I, after he plays this amazing thing, I play. But before I play, Will Kennedy had driven up from L.A. And he goes, hey man, hey, great to see you. Hey, what time does Tony go on? I go, well, Tony already went on and he played and he split.
0: Oh <laughs> he's man, going,
1: what? <laughs> I know. Who would have thought, right? Yeah, Tony did things his way, man. Yeah, he
0: did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he absolutely did. Thank God.
1: That.
0: I, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm fortunate and and so honored to say that I I, I traveled with Tony. And Scott Garrison, who at that time was his drum tech on Tony's only clinic tour that he ever did. And I don't know if I ever told you guys this story. It was October wow. of 96. He had just signed with DW maybe a year before that. And Don was really anxious to, to you know, book a clinic tour with him. So th- that fall, we went out and we did two weeks on the road. And Greg, you know how that goes. But except with Tony, it, you know, it was a little bit different you know, we, you know, we flew first class, Tony flew first class and Tony insisted that I fly first class with him. He basically said, well, you know, you, you, you can't, you, he, I, I mean, this is, I hope Garrison doesn't take this the wrong way. He said, he said, Scott can, he can sit back there, but you should be up here with me. <laughs> so who was, who was I to argue? <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's beside the point, but, but we, we traveled, you know, comfortably. And then like we had limousines picking us up everywhere and, and uh, but anyway, the, the point of it is that it was unbelievable to be with him, sitting with him, watching him play every night from like two feet away, three feet away. And and he had this thing, Greg, where he would, you know, he, he'd play the drum solo. I'm sure you've seen it. And it would be that he'd open with that double stroke roll for like 10 minutes and just play the snare drum. Right. Can you picture it? Just that. It was
1: a warm up, but it was musical. It, it was beautiful. It was yeah, exactly. It's yeah.
0: exactly. It was a warm up, but it was beautiful. It was just this like, yeah, yeah, perfect, beautiful, clean, yeah. and, and then and, you do um, the
1: triplets.
0: You know what? Your your mic is cutting out. It's it's weird. It's not.
1: Uh, well, you do the triplets, Yeah,
0: and then he yeah. and then he he'd break off into like a and so
1: yeah. he'd
0: do this incredible solo, and then he'd say, "Are there any questions?" And a couple of times. One time in particular in Memphis at Jim Pettit's shop, I remember this because it was it got a little tense in the room. He said, "Well, if there are no questions, and I'm I'm all done, so I'll, I'll see you later." So he he said it Are there any questions? And I think people were afraid to ask a question. I'm going. Somebody ask a question for crying out loud! So all it took was one person to do that and then it broke the ice, and then it it all went perfectly. Like you know, then ten more guys asked questions. I think
1: gotta, gotta love Memphis drums and Jim Pettit,
0: man. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: What a classic. Think,
0: I think everybody was so sort of like just moved and almost like unable to do anything. You, you know what I mean? It was just his, his solo was just so unbelievable that you couldn't, you just had to sort of, you know, take it in. Absorb
2: it. Yeah. Absorb it. Yeah. Yeah. So it took yeah.
0: a minute to, what's, what's, the, what question do I have? Uh, I
1: don't know. Like
2: there's so many, you know, it's like, it's yeah. like you, you're trying to get all those ideas on
1: that little narrow pipe of your, you know, yeah. The one question I asked him first was, were you just super intimidated being 17 and playing with Miles? And his answer yeah. was so great. He just was truthful. He said, Man, when you're 17, you don't care. It's not until you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s that you start thinking, oh, Myra Grombacher's here, John DeChristopher's here. Man, you know, I wonder what they'd like to hear. You start getting you second-guess yourself. He said, I was too young to even yeah. think about that. Miles would say, do some of that bugger, bugger, bugger stuff. I go, yeah. Sing Take that and take this. Oh yeah.
0: You know, and I speaking of that, I I I until you said it, Myron, I remember a long time ago you telling me that you started off as a singer, but I'd forgotten that till you just said it today. So you started playing drums at a relatively later age than yeah. most kids, probably, right?
2: Yeah, I just kind of sat down and played, um, but I think you know, I think spiritually I was always a drummer. You know what I mean? I, yeah. in fact, I, I remember sitting in the car with my parents, you know, listening to the music that they loved, and I was pr- I'm probably about seven years old, and Beyond the Sea, which was a, like a big hit for Bobby oh, yeah. Guerin, right? Yeah. yeah. And the drum track is amazing on it. And I remember when when he does, he drops those two, you know, whatever they are, four bar breaks in as a transition. I remember reacting to it and going like, whoa, which was funny because when I saw the Beatles, I related to Lennon more than I related to Ringo. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't thinking of myself as a drummer. I mean, Interesting. I love the Beatles, but it was John Lennon standing in the, there with his legs, uh, you know, spread apart in a badass attitude. That became the guy that I locked in on. You know what yeah. I mean? And then later on, you know, Ringo, you know, uh, absolutely one of my favorite drummers. And I think all of ours, I mean, yeah. anybody that's actually played the, the instrument and. In, had the chance to make a record and knew that they were recording a song that was a good song and wanted to serve that song, you know, had the attention to serve, to play in the service of the song, you consider Gringo, you know, I mean, you know, uh, uh, what would you play? You know, somebody walks in and goes, okay, you know, when I'm 64, I just wrote this song. You go like, I can't even imagine the look on my face if Spider would walk and say, okay, I got this song. You know what I mean? Yeah, you go. Yeah. Am I going to play on that song? <laughs> and then he plays brushes. I yeah, know. And I know. right away, you know what I mean, like without a moment's hesitation. I'm sure he just sat down and played, and it was the perfect part. You know, he's he was
1: so great on the Grammys the other night. Did you guys catch that? Him giving like, away yeah, that was cool.
2: Yeah, he's well, he's super cool guy. Right. Yeah,
1: super cool. He's yeah. in love Ringo.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's right. in uh, love Ringo.
1: Great interview on Colbert last night too, man.
0: Oh, I didn't see that. I have to check awesome. that
1: out. Yeah, that's awesome. They out the Grammys two nights ago and Colbert last night. Got like a half an
0: hour. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> oh man! Well, guys, this has been so great. I I'm going to just see if there's any questions I can I can throw at you guys real quick. We're rounding. Make we're some up if too. there
1: aren't,
0: John. I'll make <laughs> some up.
1: <laughs> don't mean, don't leave me like Tony here. <laughs> I got another oh, yeah. one, but I don't know if I'm allowed to ask.
2: You're not allowed to ask.
0: <laughs> I want to just You've been asking comment. for a lot. Before you tell tell this uh story, Greg, I just want to I'm not Myron. even gonna ask. No. Um Forget Eddie it. Eddie Defrazine, I think that's how we pronounce it. Myron, saw you a bunch of times with Pat. You blew mm-hmm. me you blew my mind at eighteen my eighteen-year-old mind. You're playing your showmanship. Okay. You threw me a stick, it was like a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I hope I didn't hit you in the face with it, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "You'll be hearing from my lawyer." No, he didn't say.
2: that. yeah. But- <laughs> yeah. Statute of limitation.
0: That's right. Way past that now. So Way yeah. past that. <laughs> No, that's okay. cool. I'm going to just see. There's been so many great comments. I just I don't want to. Um, oh, I know. I wanted to tell both of you guys. Teresa De Mus- Teresa Demuzio, Lenny's daughter, is watching. And oh wow! Yeah, and she said, um, "I do have photos." Nice to see everybody happy, healthy, and grooving. Okay. I'll get I'll ask Teresa to send me those photos and I'll I'll get them to you guys.
2: Oh, I'd love to see him. Yeah. Love yeah. to see him. We loved your dad. Yeah. What a great yeah. guy that guy was.
0: We sure did, man.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He was a, he was a character. I mean, uh, he of all the people that I met, and I've met some pretty blessed to meet a lot of interesting people. Lenny's right up there. You know, ah, let's yeah. have a few pops, John. You know, <laughs> he was he was a tiger of a guy. The one mistake I made that I, I is I went out drinking with Lenny and Armin one night. Do you remember that,
0: John? I think I was. And the I next day,
2: I, I mean, I was so out of my league. You know, you know, I was, you know, I was under the table and, you know, and these guys are just getting going, you know. Yeah, and the next yeah. day I had I had to play and my head was like coming off my shoulders. It was like. That, that was a lesson learned. You know, it,
0: it I was going to say it's a lesson when you hang with those guys. You you learn that you lesson the them. first time. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember Keith Richards is easier to hang with than those two guys. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they they were the real deal. Jasmine, oh, you know, that's too funny.
0: I remember all of us going out to. I don't know if Armin was there, but for sure Lenny was. We went to an Italian restaurant in the North End of Boston, the where all the Italian restaurants are. This probably like almost thirty years ago, and and. Either Lenny or I got sauce on our shirt or something, and I remember you made a you made a comment because you're married to an Italian woman. You said, right. "Hey, it's it's you. You had this like philosophical, like, well, shit, man. It's it's it, there'd be something wrong if you didn't get sauce on your shirt, like exactly right.
2: My yeah, wife like, gets oh. sauce on every shirt she wears, but we yeah, that's <laughs> just how it is, you know? and she looks <laughs> great in it. So <laughs> she
0: absolutely does, absolutely
2: yeah, she does, yeah."
0: Mark Petricelli is asking if you have any of those iconic drum sets. I think you said you still have the Japanese yeah. kit.
2: Yeah, yeah, I still have the Japanese kit. You know, um, I've I've got, I still probably, you know, I I I got rid of a lot of stuff to the Hard Rock Cafe years ago, but I still probably have fifteen drum sets, twenty drum sets. You know, I I my DW stuff to me sounds so good that that's just what I play. You yeah. know, the other stuff, yeah. I mean, I. I love it. It has sentimental value for me, and I I don't know what else to do with it, so I keep it. You know, so
0: that's you know, great. Yeah.
2: My son Dylan, who's an amazing drummer, has absolutely no interest in playing the drums like that. You know what I mean? He's, you know, more of a. Uh, he's one up and one on the floor, and it's going to be a standard size. You know, and he's like he's a vintage kind of guy. guy
0: too, right? Didn't you tell me huh? he was like. He's like a Gretsch round badge vintage. Oh, he's guy 100%
2: here. that guy. Yeah, he got yeah. a set of, of the DW Jazz series in Walnut, and he pretty much that's all he plays.
0: Yeah. Now.
2: Yep. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he ripped. I had a set of, of uh, Green Moray um, uh, with the, you know, the 4x14 Jazz, Max Roach Jazz. And you know he's playing drums. He's been playing for about two years. I said, Dylan, come on, man. Let's go get you your own drum set. I go, I got all these drums in it. And so I go in and I had them buried behind a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? And he's looking at all these drums. I'm going, oh, how about these gold sparkle? You know, oh, how about these tobacco sunburst drums? He goes, isn't there another set, like a green set someplace? I go, no. I, I No, Dad, I'm pretty sure you have like a green moray set, uh, like a Gretsch drums. I go, yeah. What, well, you sure those are the drums you want? <laughs> <laughs> Boom, gone. <laughs> so he played those until he got his CWS. But uh, yeah, he's, he's in a great band called uh, Fox Trails, and they just finished a new record. So you know, when it's you know they they play a lot during the summer. So hopefully they do festivals and stuff. You know, so That's hopefully crazy. there's uh, they can go out and play. You know, but uh, they have a he's website a lot of percussion, too. Doesn't he play a lot of hand percussion? Yeah, he's, he plays hand percussion. Uh, there's two drummers in the band. They're pretty cool. You know, so sometimes they're playing two kits. Sometimes oh, Dylan's right. playing the drum set and the other guy's doing loops. And sometimes the other guy's playing the drum set. And uh, and Dylan's playing hand percussion, you know? Yeah. So I got
0: to tell everybody just, I mean, I, they know this already, how cool a dad you are, Myron. But I got to just tell everybody. So the no
2: Ghostbusters. Sh-
0: Yes, the <laughs> Ghostbusters. So I'm going to say it was Dylan's third birthday, 1988, right?
2: Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Right?
0: Cause my son was a year old at that time. We were living in LA and Myron invites me to his son Dylan's Ghostbusters party, which was the coolest thing in the world. You know, these, these, you know, real life looking Ghostbusters pull up in the Ghostbuster car. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was it
0: was so amazing. Like he got to
2: zap the, the, the Pillsbury thing. Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> was that dope. was an epic birthday party. That was a good one. Yeah,
0: that was epic. It was Greg. I think you were there. I don't think you were on the road at the time. I think
1: I didn't make that one. I would remember oh. that. Yeah, Probably you would remember sure. going. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, but he loved it. Yeah.
0: That was a, that was. I thought like, what you know, I want I want to be this cool a dad when,
2: yeah. you know,
0: I want to be able to do cool stuff like this. That was so fun. Yeah. yeah,
2: I was more interested in being the best dad than being the best drummer. You know what I mean? I love, and I love the. people we I all, play, are. you know, yeah, that yeah. yeah. works for all we of us. Sure, that. you know, there's we nothing more important love than being that. fathers. You know, <laughs> Greg yeah. and I, I have very being a drummer. Yeah. yeah, Johnny, you and I, strong bond, same thing. You know. Yeah.
0: Yep. Absolutely. No. You and and you were a great inspiration too when I would see you were coaching Dylan's. Uh, Little League team, I think, right? Or T-ball team back then?
2: Soccer. Soccer team, okay. I'm a soccer guy. I'm a Liverpool football fan. Sorry, folks. (laughs) It's just how it is. (laughs) Only since 1979.
0: So, Yeah, okay. Oh, man. That's great.
2: Yeah. That was wonderful to be able to have that, that kind of life where I could do, you know, those kinds of things, which to me, you know, were vital. You know, it was an important part of being who I wanted to be as a person and living the life that I wanted to live, you know, which was a balanced life, you know, success is, is, is fantastic. And it's wonderful, but as you'll ask most people that get there, once you're there, you go, okay, (laughs) do I do this again? Or do I do it a different way? Or, and, and, you know, some people like David Bowie are amazing because they can reinvent themselves.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: And, and, uh. But most of us can't, you know, most of us are what we are, you know what I mean? And you'll have variations of it a little bit here, a little bit there, but, but um, there are blessed moments, but they are maybe looking back, there won't be the greatest moments of your life, the greatest moments of your life are with the people you love. And I love the people in the audience too, but I'm just saying, you know, Yeah. keep it here.
0: That's, that's beautiful. No, you're absolutely right. Sure. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. No, and 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 you and you've lived your life that way, you know. No, I've tried to, yeah, yeah, always yeah. with your family first, yeah. yeah.
2: Hey, I should old- mention Gigi, my daughter, who's singer songwriter, Gigi Grumbacher, who's had a bunch of success last year writing songs. So she's going to have an album coming out. She's got a new manager, so probably in the fall. You know, every she's every, got things in the can, but yeah. uh, but but she's done some really great writing for. A lot of people she had some success with some hits you know Europe especially you know great so.
1: singer great singer great songwriter great great woman
2: yeah she's beautiful she's yeah. special
0: yeah and I'm a
2: grandfather now too so I got to mention a little Kokoma, who you can yeah. almost see in that picture over my shoulder hey! I can see Who's also yeah. a Liverpool football fan but
0: yeah <laughs> 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 uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't being a grand a grandfather, grandparent the best thing though? Like you it's just, amazing, it's, it's,
2: it's, it's fantastic because you can just yeah. shake the soda can up and hand it back. You know, it's great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: she's a spark plug too. She's something, you know. But yeah,
0: I wonder where she gets that from.
2: Yeah, I wonder. I don't, have, I don't know. She's edgy. I said I'm in there somewhere, you know, because my daughter Kylie is like, you know, the sweetest and always was, you know, and she's got a little bit of an edge, you know. She's a little bit like she's wow. a lawyer <laughs> yeah like, well, well kylie's yeah. a lawyer yeah yeah that's, that's what i've
1: right. said yeah
2: yeah isn't that oh, what you said cool. i met the baby's got a little bit yeah oh, the oh yeah, i
1: yeah. thought you were saying kylie was super sweet and, and mellow oh, she is yeah yeah but she's a lawyer yeah <laughs> <clears throat> let me restart that again
0: <laughs> yeah no my daughter-in-law's a lawyer too but she's sweet and and wonderful and beautiful so Sometimes there's yeah. like actually nice lawyers out there. Who, yeah.
2: No, yeah. I've always had, you know, I've always been able to find a great lawyer. You know, you just got to go through a few of them to get there. You know. <laughs> Hopefully, I you don't this. need them on a constant, regular basis. <laughs>
0: That's right. And I say this because our friend Paul Quinn is watching, who is a lawyer.
2: Oh, oh. Okay. He'll, oh. he'll that I'm We're the just sessions, winding baby. you up. Home.
0: Yeah, the sessions. We're just winding you up. And our old friend Jim Catalano is also watching. He says hello oh, to everybody. Wow, yeah.
2: after Jim! Not out the gym. Yeah. But I Haven't Jim seen him in a while.
0: My guest next Wednesday, so that, that's okay. going to be that's, awesome.
2: Yeah, a great but, guy.
0: Yeah, he is a great guy. What a, what a what a history, you know, and a like a. It's going to be great to just talk to him about the, the whole sort of history of the drum industry, Ludwig, everything, all the yeah, all the stuff he's seen. So, um, but guys, you know, I, I've I've had you here for an hour and a half, and thank you, Johnny. What a blast! Amazing. It's has yeah. we had a great time. Yeah, You've man! Been an awesome time.
2: Come out to L.A. and you stay man. with us.
0: I will be back. I will okay. be back. Cool. Um, right. I love you guys so much. Love I, you too, I, man.
1: Love you too, yeah. man.
0: This, is, this has been so much fun. Um, anything you guys want to say to, to, the, to the folks?
1: Stay strong. Yeah, man. Be sure real. Yeah. yeah. Keep learning. Keep growing. And, and as Mark and Brian would always say, "Be good humans."
0: Yeah, that's right. There you go. All right. Well, you guys, hang tight. I'm going to end the stream, and then I'll see you in the in the, in the dressing wolf. room in a minute. Yeah. All right. Thanks for in watching, everybody. In the green
2: everybody.
0: room. In the All green right. room. Yeah. Hey, save me some some potato chips and, and M&Ms.
2: Uh, F- no no problems. problems. I'll be right in there. All right. No problem. All the best. All right.
0: <laughs> see you All guys on love. Saturday. Peter Erskine, 2 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday the 20th. See you there. Thanks for watching. Big hand for Myron Grombacher, Greg Dissonette. Two of my best...
2: Donnie D. Donnie All
0: right. Love you guys. Hang tight for one second.